for a long, long time now. I don't really know just how long, but I know it has been for a long time. We as humans have been enamored with the notion of alien life. That we've just been convinced and been looking for that alien life that is out there somewhere. And even though over the years there hasn't been any real definitive evidence that there are people or alien life forms for, from other planets, that really hasn't stopped us from imagining You see, as you think about, especially, I'm going to look just only at the last maybe 100 years or close to 100 years, there have been comics and there have been movies and there have been um, uh, video games and there have been uh, television programs and, and there have been so many different things out there that have promoted and tried to imagine what alien life, if it existed, would look like and what it would act like. Well, let me give you some examples of that. 1938, most of you were not here in 1938. But uh, our nation was rocked by this broadcast by Orson Welles as he talked about this fantasy invasion by aliens that had just taken place here on earth, which was sparking what was eventually called the War of the Worlds. That was 1938. Then in 1947, an alien craft was rumored to have crashed where? Roswell, New Mexico. And after that, uh, this whole series of alien life forms and what that looked like and might be like uh, sprung up, and, and we're very familiar with that here in West Texas. What about 1966? In 1966, Star Trek started introducing us to Vulcans and to Romulans and to Klingons and all kinds of other types of life forms that were supposedly out there, way out there in in space, and brought those alien life forms right into our living rooms each week. Then in 1977, an alien boy by the name of Luke Skywalker from Tantooine and and then this, this, this hairy uh, Wookiee named Chewie gained our fascination as, as the Star Wars series began. Then in 1981, another decade, all of a sudden we had uh, uh, this, this extraterrestrial called simply E.T. That all we really know about him at this point is that He wanted to go home. (laughs) And then now, in our generation, in this decade, we've been introduced to possibly the cutest of all aliens that we've ever encountered, and we call him Baby Yoda. And if you don't know Baby Yoda, you're behind, okay? I'll just tell you that much. But you see, over the decades, many, many decades, People have been imagining and they've been trying in their minds to, to think about and, 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 and portray what 
alien life force may be out there and what it would look like and what it would look like. And even though over the years there hasn't been any definitive evidence that that's there, it's still been imagined. But here's what I want to tell you this this morning. Is that even though all of that stuff I've been pointing to is fantasy, there is alien life among us today. It's true. There's alien life here on our earth today. And whether you like it or not, that alien life is you. And it's me. You see, every born again child of God in Christ has in fact become an alien here on this earth. An alien in our world. It's with this idea that we start a new series this morning titled Alien Life. And this is going to be a study from 1 Peter. And I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles and follow along this morning with us in 1 Peter. But what 1 Peter does is, is he starts laying out throughout his letter that he's written here. He starts laying out the reality of alien life and what that looks like in this world. And we're going to learn more about it. I know you're going, well, I'm not sure about all that. Well, you're going to get a little bit better of an understanding this morning and over the next several weeks as we talk about that. So let's begin here in chapter 1, verse 1, 1 and 2. And I'm reading from New American Standard, and, and you're going to see some differences in translations. We'll, we'll make note of that. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who reside as aliens, maybe yours says exiles, or maybe it says uh, strangers, scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours. In the fullest measure. As he begins with those words, Peter is, is, uh, is taking us on a journey. But it's a journey that essentially had, had, had begun in times past. You see, as Jesus died and rose from the grave in A.D. 33, between that time and the writing of this letter, probably around 62 or 63 A.D., Christianity has started, uh, has, has started to spread across the face of the earth. It has spread from its origin in Jerusalem. And here, as you see circled, it has spread over into this region, over into these Roman provinces which Peter is writing. Some 300,000 square miles is just a sampling of how far and where the gospel has gone and where Christianity has spread. 
And as he writes to these people, he's writing to Christians who are scattered, he says. And they're scattered for a couple of different reasons, or uh, he's, he's referring to a couple of different concepts. First of all, many of these Christians that he's writing to, even in these Gentile regions of Rome, they are Jews. They are Jews that while they're there in those Gentile areas, they really see in their mind, in their heart, home all the way back over into Judea and even into the heart of the city of Jerusalem. But, but they're Christians too that are Gentiles. Gentiles who have been scattered across the face of the earth and they are just some of the scattered right here in this area. And so as he writes this letter, he's writing to, le- to Christians that are scattered. And even though, now listen, even though they are scattered and very different in a lot of different ways, they do share one common identity. And that identity is that they are all the chosen. And that's what... You're hearing from Peter here in this first verse. He's contrasting the difference between them being aliens, but they're also the chosen. And that's where we want to begin. They, like every generation of Christian, they are those that Peter is trying to get us to understand that are living in the grace and the peace of being the chosen of God. Those who are the chosen of God, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. You see, they are chosen of God. They're living, and he wants them to live in the grace and the peace of knowing that they they are these incredible people who have, by their faith, been chosen by God. But here's what happens. As God chooses them, what he's doing is, is he's drawing them into himself. And as he draws them into himself, he's connecting them with the divine. He's in some ways disconnecting him from humanity, and as he chooses them and draws them in, he is connecting them to something beyond this world. Something and someone who exists in deity out there somewhere beyond planets and in a state of existence that we call heaven or eternity. You see, that makes us, as he connects us to him, that makes us here on earth the strangers. It makes us the aliens who are here on earth. And and strangers, because our belonging, as we interact with this world, we become the strange ones because our belonging isn't a matter of where we're from. And it isn't a matter of where we are right now, but it's a matter of whose we are. That's why we become aliens, not because of where we're from or where we're living, but because of who we're now connected to, something and someone outside of this 
world. And it's in that belonging, that choosing that God has in us, that he makes us. And, and I hope, and I think you have experienced that because of that choosing, now all of a sudden we not only feel like, but we also look like aliens. We feel like and we look like as we interact with the mindset of this world, having had a, a, a mind shaped by God, we look and feel like we really don't belong, don't we? And it's all because of that choosing. You see, we don't belong because our attitudes, think about it, our attitudes our behaviors, and our life trajectories are distinctly different than those around us. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. And that truly is our calling. And we're distinctly different because we, our thinking and our mindsets originate once again outside of this world and they, they have their beginning in the will and the wisdom of God who is not of this, of this world. You see, he's making it very clear that even though we are the chosen ones, or maybe very clearly because we are the chosen ones, we are indeed aliens. So as we start to get in the grip of being aliens, spiritual aliens in this world, we wanted to start this series, and, and, and I think it, 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 it finds its truth here in this context. That as aliens, the, one of the things that makes us different from the world around us, which is part of what we're doing in this series, is that we, unlike this world, have what I'm calling this morning an alien joy. Okay? Alien joy. Now look in the text again, and let's read again beginning in verse 3 through 9, and let's see if we can't see that spirit coming to the surface. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, there it is, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Did you see it? Did you see how he's talking about as those who are chosen, but those who are living this alien life, we are in fact participating in and living in and experiencing alien, alien joy. I, I'm so very thankful for earthly joy, aren't you? 
I mean, think about the different types of joys that we have. We have the joy of, uh, of victory when it comes to certain types of events or endeavors in life. Many of you have experienced the joy of being there when your first child or every child is born. What great joy there is in that. Maybe there's the joy that you've experienced of a homecoming. When somebody that you love dearly has been away far too long, but now they've come home. What great joy there is in that. Maybe it's even the joy of your pets, the joy of family and friends, the joy even of the holidays like we've been experiencing. You see, we have and we enjoy all types of things in this world. But as Peter talks here, he wants us to understand that there's a different joy out there in this world. As Peter says these words, listen, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he says that, he's pointing us to the source of greater joy. He's pointing us to a source of joy that's outside of anything that we can experience in this world. A joy that surpasses earthly joy both in intensity and in duration. It's a joy that comes out of the living hope, he says, that we have in Christ. You see, as aliens, we alone live in the hope or the confidence, better stated, that our God, Peter says, that our God, out of his great mercy, has made it possible for us to be born again, and that is through the faith waters of baptism, and not only be born again, but to become new creations. New creations that are now part of a great alien nation. The alienation of the chosen in Christ who are destined for salvation. We find joy, you see, in the fact that we have this living hope within us. Listen, we are no longer mere mortals. We're no longer a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. No, we, have, we are those who have a living hope, this ongoing confidence of salvation coursing through our veins. When you cut us open, we don't bleed green. What we bleed is confidence. We, believe, we, we have this living hope and confidence coursing through our veins, knowing who we are and knowing where we're going. We, like Jesus, are now destined for resurrection. As aliens in Christ, we are destined for resurrection. The time and the place when we will be saved from death and then, as Peter says, we'll inherit heavenly spiritual fortunes that our Father has reserved for us in heaven. It's a fortune. It's an inheritance that Peter says won't ever perish, and it won't ever spoil, and it won't ever fade. And it's a fortune for us, he says. It's a fortune just for you, and it's just for me, who he protects by his power until the very day he comes and he gives you that salvation that you and I have been longing. 
You see, that's the joy that we have. The joy that we find as those who have a living hope. And that living hope is key. Is key to our alien joy. But it didn't stop there. This joy that we have also powers us through earthly grief. In the last 20 centuries, since the time that Peter wrote this letter, not a lot has changed. You see, today we still are experiencing, just like they did, various trials that result in or create grief in our lives. Nothing's changed. There's still trials and there's still difficulties that produce grief that can oftentimes create uh, disillusionment and great despair within the human soul. I mean, don't you recognize that and see that in the headlines every single day? No matter what media outlet that you're looking at, no matter what news source you're looking at, are you not hearing about trials? Are you not hearing about challenges and the grief that it brings into people's lives? And when you even look at that, that, that pink one-page bulletin that you got this morning instead of a full bulletin, even in that one page, look there, can you not see the trials and challenges that people are going through in their lives, even in this church today, and the grief that it's causing in their lives? And as I look out over this audience, I'm convinced there's probably someone here this morning that's experiencing some type of trial, some type of trauma that's causing grief in your life. Things that come to the surface as we live in this world. But the point that we want to understand here is that the good news is that our alien joy, which we have in Christ Jesus, is a joy that can power us through those trials and that grief. If we will sink our hearts and the minds in the reality and the truth of that joy, it has a power to take us through that things. It has a power to keep us from being disillusioned and has a power to keep us from falling into despair. This power of alien joy, the, the incredible thing about it is that, it's, that that joy is not dependent upon the elimination of trial and grief in this life. But this joy stands in the assurance that in spite of trials and in spite of grief, we are still and continue to be, even in those moments, the chosen of God. And that's a great thing. But it's not only that we continue to be the chosen of God, but even as the chosen of God, we are those who for a little while of grief, Peter says. After a little while of grief, we will be forever saved. Saved from that grief. Saved from the trials of this world at the coming of Jesus when there will be great praise and glory and honor. 
See, we have joy, alien joy, a living hope, and a joy that, that powers us through earthly grief if we hold on to it. But then finally, we have in this alien joy. This alien joy springs, I think, from the love and belief that we have in Jesus. You look around in this world and it becomes obvious that so many have put their love and have put their belief in other things and in other people. And, and the thing about that is that love and that belief benefits them. But it only benefits them for a little while. It only benefits them in this life if it benefits them at all. But the difference is, is that as spiritual aliens, we have come to know that Jesus, who even though we have never seen, who we've never had a conversation with, who we've never had a single personal experience with, that that Jesus has the ability to bless us in this world, and not just in this world, but in the world and life yet to come. And we know that. You see, we know that he came from heaven to this earth to live and to die so that we might have peace and fellowship with God. We know that from Ephesians chapter 2. We know that he took our sins upon his shoulders, upon the cross, where his sacrifice now makes us, gives us the ability to be righteous and justified by faith in Christ Jesus. We know that from Romans chapter 3. We know that through his sacrifice, he made a new and a living way by which we can draw near to God now. We can draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. We know that by Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. We know that he is now, listen, able to completely save. Able to completely save those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession on our behalf. We know that because of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. You see, it's because of all that we know about what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do beyond this life. Because of all that we know about Jesus, we love him. And we believe in him deeply. Jesus, love and belief that we have creates in us, Peter says, an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's alien joy. A joy that this world can never experience. As I listen to what Peter is saying here about alien joy, actually Bill and I were talking about it and we sort of got to this point in this lesson and this question came up. 
Why is it that Peter begins this letter with alien joy? Why is it that at the very front, he's going to have a lot of things to say about the alien life. Why is it that he begins with alien joy? Well, I think if you know the rest of the book, if you know the rest of the story, the answer is obvious. He begins with alien joy because he wants us to know that without a doubt, it is a good thing to be an alien. He wants us to know that without a doubt, he's going to talk about the, the, the calling that we have and the challenges we have as aliens. He's going to tell us about persecution. He's going to tell us about all types of, uh, of expectations that there are of us who are aliens in Christ Jesus. But before he does that, he wants to make sure that, that we know without a doubt that there is nothing better in this world than being an alien than being a stranger in this world because of our connection to our God. That, brothers and sisters, is the joy that comes in our living hope, that powers us through grief in this life, and that springs from the love and belief that we have in our Jesus Christ. As I look out across this audience, and, and I can't see all of you really close, but, but as I look out, I don't see anybody with two heads. <laughs> I, I don't see anybody with, with long tentacles for, for, for arms. I don't see anybody with baby Yoda ears out there, no. I don't see anybody out there with, with furry skin like a, like a Wookiee. But I have to tell you, when I look at each one of you, what I do see is, in fact, an alien. I do see the aliens of Jesus Christ in this world. And I'm encouraging to do, encouraging to do two things. Know that that is a good thing and find great great joy in it for this new year what a way to begin a new year thinking about the true joy the alien joy we have in Christ Jesus maybe today I know I Matt I never thought I'd say this in an invitation I never thought I'd say this maybe you're not an alien But you can become one. And you can know the joy of being a spiritual alien in Jesus Christ today. By putting him on in baptism and letting him raise you out of that to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Won't you become an alien today if you're not one while we stand and while we sing?